Every memorable gift starts with a wondrous story. Giving a gift with energy helps it last just that bit longer. So imagine a story from the high seas where Jefferson's ocean bourbon and rye whiskies are aged and transformed by unpredictable and unrelenting elements. They'll taste a journey in every sip, darkened by pounding waves, kissed by ocean breezes and caramelised by equatorial heat. Give the gift of adventure. Give Jefferson's Ocean Bourbon and Jefferson's Ocean Bourbon Rye. Please, sip responsibly. Copyright 2023, Jefferson's Bourbon Company, Crestwood, Kentucky. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash startalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash startalk today. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist. And this is going to be a Cosmic Queries edition. And I've got a guest co host. She's an old timer with us, Marsha Belsky. Marsha, welcome back. Thank you so much. It is always so fun to be here. I learned so much. This is my only postgraduate education that I have. Oh, get, is that so right? Okay. It's an honor to be back. <laughs> Great. So since you do agree to keep coming back, it can't be all that bad for you. Yes. Uh, so today we're going to talk about asteroids, and our expert guest is Marina Brozovic. Thank you for joining Star Talk. You work at the Jet Propulsion Labs in Pasadena, California, and uh, presumably they don't only do jet propulsion. So what's what's what is the Jet Propulsion Laboratories? Tell everybody. We are specialized in robotic explorations of the solar system. So we run missions like, you know, there was Cassini uh, on Saturn and we run Mars rovers, uh, but we also do a lot of science. Um, so a lot of the science work that we do here are um, asteroids. And to be more specific, we do some very kind of unique work because we work with planetary radars. We work with this very large, yeah, planetary radar in Mojave Desert in California. So um, it is really huge dish, like 70 meters in size. And uh, that, that is not really by design, you know, planetary radar. It's used for spacecraft communication. But when projects or when missions are not using it, then they give, us to, they give it to, you know, our scientists to observe asteroids. So you piggyback the, what was the original design of that, of that telescope, 
of that yeah. radar. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It is part of deep space networks. So NASA, NASA has. Uh, you know, you have to communicate with your spacecraft, and so NASA has these big dishes all around the world. It has it in Australia. It has it uh, in Spain, and it has it in Mojave Desert. So, Marcia, is it just me, and, or does like the phrase? Deep Space Network just sound like the coolest thing ever. It is. So all of this is blowing my mind. Like, this is so cool. Yeah, all I know about asteroids is that people on Twitter were speculating that one was about to crash into Earth because they blew up one with a rocket oh, ship. But yeah, okay. I don't, apparently, Marina told me that's not true. So that's very yeah, yeah. comforting. Uh, Twitter generally is not true. What? Are you serious? Wow. Wait, wait, so Marina, what do we need radar for if we have regular telescopes that can spot asteroids? Well, so optical telescopes are the ones that discover asteroids. Um, and But radar is a follow-up instrument. Well, just to be clear, an optical telescope specializes in visible light, and a radar telescope is radio. Correct. Waves. Okay, so yeah, so let's go. Yes, we are bouncing, so we are kind of bring your flashlight. You know, optical telescopes, uh, asteroids are being, you know, they reflect some sunlight. You see them as little moving points on a plane of sky. You measure where this little moving point is, fit the orbit, there you go. With radar, uh, there are two things that we do with radar. One is we ping them. So we, you know, bounce off our little flashlight um, microwaves off the asteroid, which gives us exactly very precise location where it is uh, with respect to us. So line of sight distance. And then we also always say, you know, uh, in optical telescopes, asteroids look like speck of lights. And with radar, they become small worlds. And just to be clear, that is the original origin of the word asteroid. When, was it Herschel? Uh, who first named them saw that there was there were these dots of light moving across the sky, and there were only dots of light, just like regular stars, because stars are so far away, they're just dots of light. So he described them as star-like, asteroid, oh. aster, Latin for star, oid is like. So they're, they're nothing like stars, but to an optical telescope, it's just a it's a star that's moving. That's <laughs> right. It's exactly right. That's the origin of the word asteroid. Okay, so now, so now, I, 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 apparently, you weren't content just knowing it was a dot moving across the sky, were you, Marina? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, with radar. Uh, so most of the time, we are observing near Earth asteroids, and they're usually, say, within one tenth of astronomical unit for from Earth. And they're about at least several hundred meter in size. So they're fairly close and fairly large. So an astronomical unit is is the Earth-Sun distance taken as a new as a new yardstick Correct. to measure distances. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That is that is a kind of a yardstick for us. But I'm saying so it is we observe relatively close. And as I said, they are relatively um, you know, a large asteroids. Uh, but we are able, you know, so they know to be millions of kilometers away from Earth. And we are able to see something that is six feet in size. We can see surface boulders. It is that level of detail. Whoa. And Whoa. and you can imagine. And the asteroid's like, yeah. I didn't even get ready today. Like, don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know you're, you're I didn't know you were peaking. photographing me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we get to we get to see a lot of little details. Um so every kind of observing session knows to be like a uh like a mini space mission. Because you're flying, you know, there's asteroids coming in our neighborhood and we ping him with radar and reveal how it looks like. We know we are very interested always how large it is because, you know, that is that is one of the kind of uh, key parameters for planetary defense. You think? 
Yeah. You think? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but, but, but yeah. wait. So I've I've heard rumors that that many asteroids might just be piles of rock traveling together, sort of loosely held with like chewing gum and <laughs> and, and bailing Sticky wire. Sticky putty. Yeah. <laughs> so so please please fix what I just said. Uh, make it right or make it wrong, but that's that's those, I heard I heard tell. That's that what the people are saying. Yeah, the people are saying on yeah, the uh, no. Twitter is saying. <laughs> Twitter right? is saying it's just made of gum and rocks up I there. Guess Twitter was right this time because actually, you know, they are rubble piles. We we think you know anything larger than about you know two hundred meters is really loosely held together aggregate of rocks of various sizes. So you know, like small rocks, big rocks, um, a lot of fine dust, like regolith. And so, and you actually can see that in space missions. I mean, if you if you have seen the images of asteroid Bennu that uh, NASA's Osiris Rex took, it's rock on a rock on a rock. You know, it's it's all rocks just just piled up. And if you saw images from the latest DART mission, uh, the one that smashed into the moonlet, uh, you also saw that both of the asteroids they looked they had huge boulders of very you know and and basically there's are aggregates of uh, rocks loosely held together by gravity by their by their own by gravity. their own by, of course gravity so, so even though they're yep. small we think of small things as having hardly any gravity but whatever gravity they have it's enough. To, so they have some kind of shape. Otherwise, you expect the rocks to just drift away. Yeah, actually, that's a good point that you're making because so there is something interesting that happens. Uh, these rocks, when they spin fast, about two hours, um, very often they end up with a satellite because basically, you, they first two things happen: the kind of the material starts, you know, the starts kind of traveling toward the equator. And it starts kind of, you know, gravity can't pull it anymore. It starts flying off. And then it clumps into a satellite. So that is uh, so that is exactly, you know, we know that. Wait, wait, wait. Marina, I wanted to I wanted to become a ring around <laughs> the moonlet. That yeah. would be so I, cool. That'd be cool if, if our moons could have rings. I've always thought that. I, I know. Well, they probably have. Well, Marina, I want you to work on that yeah. and, and, and get back to us on Monday Those morning. Those are very that, hard right? observations. <laughs> Those would be very, very hard observations because, you know, we you would have to kind of really catch it in action. Uh, you know, how, mm -hmm. how there, is a, there is a ring around some uh, the asteroid and then it's clumping into a moonlet. Wow. Well, I think we, we have questions from our from our. Fan base, a, a Patreon fan base. We so, do. So, Marsha, I haven't seen these. I, I don't think M Marina has seen these either. So, you're just pulling these out of the ether right here. Yes, keeping you on your right. toes. Exactly. They can't and hide the conspiracies because they got to reveal the answers right then. <laughs> All right. So, what do you have, Marsha? All right. So, this first question is from Yaniv from Israel, Yaniv Koss. And it says, why do all asteroids look gray? Are they really gray? If so, why? Or are they? Are we always just using black and white cameras? Oh, I'd like that. Yes. Uh, Marina, we want color here. Wait, so what's, <laughs> what's up with this? What, what's going yeah, on? Yeah, yeah. So they don't... Um, uh, no, we don't use definitely black and white uh, cameras. There are plenty of spacecraft with the, you know, full cam color cameras. But asteroids are actually quite dark. Um, they have something, so we measure, you know, how dark they are. And something, there's something called albedo. It is how much of the sunlight they reflect. So uh, most of them don't have all, they, they reflect maybe at most about 15 to 20% of sunlight. Um, so they indeed are um, kind of very 
various shades of of gray. Dark gray, it sounds like. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh-huh. it's very it's very dark gray. I mean, if you if you ever kind of looked at the um, you know, uh some samples of meteors, uh, they know to be quite gray, except there's certain types. There is one type that is really like almost like a little marble. I I it's very rare. It's instatite. It's called instatite. And it looks literally Instatite? Like white. It's not like you Instatite. just made that up to sell <laughs> yeah. on a, an, an infomercial. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It's a new yeah. glue. Buy some Instatite. Yeah, on the QVC channel. <laughs> yeah, like, that's uh, totally QVC. from the QVC yes. channel. Buy this fancy I don't, asteroid. Yeah. I don't believe yeah. you now, Maria. Yes, they are beautiful. Yeah, they're beautiful kind of marble white with a little kind of great gray specks. And uh, they're very pretty. So they're, 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 but they're rare. They have like, you know, like 30 to 60, they reflect about 30 to 60% of sunlight. So there are some of them which are really bright, but they know to be also as a charcoal, you know, the ones that have a lot of carbon, they reflect maybe few percent of light. So, so yeah, they're mainly, they're merely actually, actually pretty, pretty dark. They don't reflect light. Okay, perfect. All right. So let's get another one. Okay. So this is from Jen. Uh, they say, hi from Michigan. I've been hearing about the Trojan asteroids lately. Did I hear correctly that they are in Jupiter's orbit? And how can that be? I thought that part of the definition of a planet was that it had to clear its orbit. Ooh. Ooh, Ooh this one. Good. This one. Did, very good. Jen did some homework on that one. Jen knows I, her are, stuff. are we going back to Pluto? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Every, oh, wow. Everything. Leo's favorite talk. Marina, it, back to Pluto. everything People are lands still not back over at Pluto. Pluto. And they still can't shake it. Let's get to, we'll get to that answer right when we come back on our first break from Cosmic Queries, the asteroid edition with our guest, Marina Brozovic from the Jet Propulsion Labs. We'll be right back. If you and your grandma don't speak the same language, it can be hard to express your love for her. McDonald's can help. To celebrate the launch of the new Grandma McFlurry, McDonald's is inviting fans to visit sweetconnections.ai, where you can record a video message for grandma that's translated into her native language. The tech will clone your voice, reanimate your face, and translate your words so that you look like you're speaking another language. Check out sweetconnections.ai, then get a Grandma McFlurry at McDonald's. Available for a limited time at participating McDonald's. Select languages available. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Every memorable gift starts with a wondrous story. Giving a gift with energy helps it last just 
that bit longer. So imagine a story from the high seas where Jefferson's ocean bourbon and rye whiskies are aged and transformed by unpredictable and unrelenting elements. They'll taste a journey in every sip, darkened by pounding waves, kissed by ocean breezes and caramelised by equatorial heat. Give the gift of adventure. Give Jefferson's Ocean Bourbon and Jefferson's Ocean Bourbon Rye, please. Sip responsibly. Copyright 2023. Jefferson's Bourbon Company, Crestwood, Kentucky. Hey, I'm Roy Hill Percival, and I support StarTalk on Patreon. Bringing the universe down to Earth, this is StarTalk with Neil deGrasse Tyson. We're back, Star Talk, Cosmic Queries Edition. We're talking about asteroids with my co-host, Marsha Belsky. Marsha, welcome back to Star Talk. Thank you so much. So glad to be back. And you're in a comedy festival coming up in November, November 13th. Alan Cummings, what does he have to do with this? So Alan Cummings owns a cabaret bar um, in the East Village. That's funny because I saw him on Broadway performing the musical Cabaret. So maybe somebody saw that and said, this is, this is gotta, we gotta keep Full circle. Full circle, He knows how to work his brand. Um, Yes. Yeah, so it's a really great space. Um, It's at East 6th between Avenue A and Avenue B. In New York City? Uh In New York City, yes, in Manhattan. And um, I'm doing my hour there. It's called Marsha Belsky Evangelical. And it's on November 12th at 7.30 p.m. at Club Cumming, which is Alan Cummings Cabaret Bar. And it's for New York Comedy Festival, so it should be really fun. And your mu- your your musical comedy is hilarious. Thank you so what, was much. It, what my favorite song was it? One hundred tampons. Yes, that the that's one? the NASA yeah, song. Yeah. I was it's so funny. Yeah, a NASA song called One Hundred Tampons. That's all I'm gonna say. You gotta <laughs> go up. find out where this woman is coming from. Yes. Uh, uh, so, so we have as our guest our asteroid expert Marina Brozovic, uh, working at the Jet Propulsion Labs. Could you tell us uh, how you? got to where you are, if somebody wants your job, or rather, if someone wants a job like yours, <laughs> what's, your, what's your background? Well, as I said, I started as amateur astronomer, you know, I, I've been amateur astronomer since high school, and then, you know, I studied physics. But just to be clear, Marcia, when you, an amateur astronomer is actually an expert, all right? You, you would never go to an amateur, I was gonna you say. would never go to an amateur neurosurgeon or an amateur, <laughs> <laughs> amateur astronomers are experts in yeah. the night sky and they love nothing better than showing off their telescope to whoever will walk by and yeah. stop and, and look through. Okay, so we got amateur astronomer yeah. in the house so and then what happened? I, you know, went to study physics and I, then I did grad school in physics then I was a postdoc and at Caltech, and Caltech is and JPL are have very good connections. Mm-hmm. And there is constant transfer of people between the two, and so when the time came, you know, I interviewed for JPL, and I've been here ever since. Cool. So, does your paycheck say NASA or Caltech? It is really Caltech. That's what we're, I was wondering. We're contractors, yes. yeah, we are. Yeah. We are contractors. Yeah, yeah. We are that's JPL, what I yeah, JPL and APL Lab. Okay. So we are actually contractors of NASA. APL Applied Physics Lab. That's Applied Physics ba- Lab. Back yeah, on the East Coast, yeah. Best yeah. Back on the East Coast. That's our, you know. Very, very name. excellent. But, but we are NASA Lab. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got it. Okay, so Marsha, uh, that question we left off with, which was, remind me? Yes, so this was from Jen from Michigan, and they were asking, 
Um, is it true that there are Trojan asteroids in Jupiter's orbit? And how can that be? Because they thought that part of the definition of a planet was that it had to clear its orbit. And Pluto is listening to this right now. Okay. <laughs> Pluto ears are burning. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it's a, that's that's a very great question. Yeah. Uh, Trojans are a very interesting population of asteroids. Uh, they are in a st- stability points. So there is actually, you know, there. Imagine this triangle between the Jupiter, Sun, and this clump that has um, that is basically. Objects are able to orbit there without Jupiter kicking them. So there is a clump of asteroids, Trojan asteroids along uh, Jupiter orbit that is in front, 60 degrees. And then there is another clump behind, also 60 degrees. And that's where, some, as I said, they're still orbiting the sun, but Jupiter is never managing to catch up with them to kick them out. So these are stab- these are you know uh, uh, gravity stability points where kind of Jupiter gravity and Sun gravity are at peace and and you can you can just sit there and also orbit the Sun and uh, it's very yeah it's it's they're, they're very interesting because you know uh, so, so they basically there is, collected there right nobody put them there, there just asteroids wandering throughout the solar system found that to be a safe space for them in a sense. Yeah. Wow. That was a, and Jupiter's sitting there trying no, to swat them yeah, away. It yeah, it's just, just out it's of just reach. Out of and they're like, ha, exactly. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Well, actually, there is, I think the front groups are front group of Trojans. So the one that leads 60 degrees, that one is called Trojans. And the one trailing are Greeks. So, so that the objects, <laughs> yeah, the, the objects in the first clump are. Uh, named after Trojan warriors and Trojan heroes from mythology. And uh, the trailing one is the Greek camp. And and NASA has actually... And, and Jupiter's trying to keep the peace there, right? Between Troy yeah. and Greece. Well, right? you know, the Roman god. The Roman like, god. Yeah. <laughs> Much later. A, la- a later god yeah. is keeping the peace, yes. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah and NASA has actually a, a, a mission called Lucy that is going to explore objects from both of these camps. From Jupiter Trojans, it will first go through. You know, it, it's it's in such a it has such a kind of orbit that is first going to swing through one one cloud of Trojans, wow. and then it's going to go and explore. You know, the other one, and and there's some really. You know, these these objects are ancient. They're they're really telling us something about you know how the solar system was built. So, and, so what and, fraction of Jupiter's mass is represented in these trapped asteroids? Oh, tiny. That's, 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 I mean, super tiny. When you think about it, actually, that, what is fascinating, you know, when you look at the main asteroid belt in general, I mean, so we, that's, that's the uh, main asteroid belt is between Mars and Jupiter. And there are millions of objects there, uh, um, actually billions if you really count the small sizes. But if you were to sum up everything, everything in the main belt. If you were to glue them together into one object. Together. It is less than 125th of our moon. Okay. And most of that mass is actually in asteroid, in dwarf as, uh, planet Ceres. Okay. Ceres is about 1,000 kilometers across. So you can imagine, you know, uh, uh, if if all that big mass of ad- main asteroid belt is so tiny and and Trojans, I mean, if you were to sum up all Trojans, that's that's it's, that's really It's really even smallish. less. So, it's even less, yeah. It's really tiny. So the idea of, clean, of clearing your orbit 
It just means there's nothing else big to compete with you. It doesn't mean there isn't debris and other junk that could be there as one of the yeah. criteria for planethood. Yeah, well, as I said, I, I, I definitely have to go and read up on my, uh, you know, what is the de- exact <laughs> definition? <laughs> but I can tell you this. I, is it Jen? Jen asked this question? Just, yes, Jen just, from just, Don't get me started here. So here's the point. There are <laughs> other objects around where Pluto is orbiting the sun that have mass that rival Pluto. So yeah, Pluto, Pluto oh, has not it's so small. cleared its orbit in that sense. Right, but you can have junk, junk that doesn't... So it's about who's the alpha oh, in oh. the situation. <laughs> okay, Pluto's, <laughs> so, the alpha, Pluto's not the alpha dog, but Jup- yes. Jupiter's totally the alpha planet. Jupiter is. Yeah, Jupiter oh, completely yeah. dominates the solar system. Absolutely <laughs> it dominates. Yeah, yeah, dominates not only its orbit, it's really, uh, right, I agree. You know, Earth is the size of its storm, you know, its red spot. Yeah, so, yeah, it's a... So now the asteroid belt, so one of the asteroids in there, I have one named after me. <laughs> yes, you I do. I got an asteroid, that's, there's 13123 Tyson. Yeah, you have it very easy. I mean, you're really kind of almost right. It's 13123 Tyson. Yeah, it's easy. I don't have to, that's not a hard thing to remember. And, yes. and just for people to know, that asteroid is not my password on anything, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I just want you to know. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I'm not... I think That's you're protesting a little too much. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, your asteroid has quite interesting story. Well, first of all, it was discovered by legends in in field of asteroid. It was discovered in 1994 by uh, Carolyn Shoemaker and David Levy. And yes, they, both, they got asteroid hunting team like no other. Yes, yes English majors, both of them. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Throwing it down, yes, yes. yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they were. I mean, this mm-hmm. is this is what this is the power of amateur astronomy. Um, yes. Actually, they both went on to get all possible honorary degrees and awards in the field. I mean, they truly were legends in the field. And so, so yeah, in 1994, they discovered asteroids uh, called 1994KA, which will later have your name. Um, and yours is a binary asteroid. You know, you are. But, but, I, yes. How come I didn't know that? You are. When did we find? Did you find that? How did you? How did I not know that? In 2015, there was. A, I went looking. As I said, I I, I went to their database. I, you, I went. You did to some see. homework. Okay. I know. And in 2015, um, there was a companion. So you have a primary that is about mm-hmm. 11 kilometers in size. So nice size asteroid. Mm-hmm. And then there is a satellite about four kilometers in size. Wow. And um, I can tell you that at least 15% of uh, main belt asteroids are binaries. And similarly, similar amounts uh, are in, in binary or binaries and have a near Earth population. So okay, you know, now, kind of, they have companions. Last I checked, it was not a near Earth. No, no, no. You are main. You, you are your main belt. I can. I can also tell you. Okay, and you can verify. Just verify for me. Neil needed to verify that because imagine, I, imagine the bad press yeah. if the Neil deGrasse Tyson asteroid hits. The- I know it's the Earth. That would blow up on Twitter. I'm sure you would right? never live that down. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh well, I, I look. I looked at your orbit, uh, and I really feel like I'm giving you a horoscope here. I don't. But, um, I, uh, the your your wait wait that, wait Marcia, just say, doesn't that sound great? I looked at your orbit today. I looked at your orbit. Sounds invasive in some way. It's in Scorpio right now. That you are a um, little bit eccentric and slightly oh. inclined. Oh, so interesting. Uh, so yes, I like that. 
I, yes. I don't mind being inclined in the yes. country. Yes, yes. <laughs> you, you know, everybody's in plane and you were kind of full. Okay. Yeah, you were kind of. So inclined know. means the orbit is tipped yeah, relative, it's tipped, to, relative the to the eclipse. Relative the eclipse. Yeah, plane of the Earth will be around the sun. Is that is lifted? Looking up. And right, and then you have the, uh, you said I'm a little bit uh, eccentric. eccentric. So not quite a not pushed. quite a perfect circular yes, orbit. not perfectly right. okay. circular orbit, but yes, it is, um, yeah, it is It is actually a very, very cool object. Well, thank you. Orbiting a little bit outside orbit of Mars. So and inner, I'm glad it's not, it's not, belt. I'm not, it's not hitting Earth, that's all I care about. <laughs> no, not yet. I don't know, maybe a couple of million years, you know. <laughs> no, you no, know, no, 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 don't say that, no, no. <laughs> It no. takes time. You know, only if all of the movies you have, you know, the uh, something is a man belt, then three weeks later it is on Earth. You know, it's Oh, yeah, yeah, correct, correct. Exactly. The movies. They got to do it within two hours. They got to do it. Yeah, yeah. that process yeah. takes usually a very long time. You know, it's, okay. it's, 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 we're talking millions of years until the, you know, objects from the main belt space end up migrate, migrating migrate, into yeah, the okay. near Earth space. Better hope it crashes into the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, then you have tsunamis on the... On the, on the well, oh, no, no that's that your fault, too. 11 kilometers, yeah, that would be... Yeah, it doesn't matter. That would be dinosaurs. Matter. I mean, that would be dinosaur size. I mean, that would be right. chicken yeah. size. So right, exactly. You do not want that size uh, uh, anywhere near. No matter what. That's a risk to have an asteroid named after you. That's the risk. It's, it's just the burden I carry, Margaret. <laughs> this, is, this is what I do. <laughs> so give me another one. See if we can slip another question in before we break again. Okay. This says from Connor Holm um, from Squim, Washington, mm -hmm. from the Pacific Northwest. Hello, hello. It says, hi. On average, what percentage of asteroids have moons? Is there an upper limit to how many moons an asteroid can have? I didn't even realize asteroids can have moons. Yeah, so no. Wait, wait, so so I, let me yeah. top that up okay. and say, can because we, we learned that you said about 15% are binary. So maybe if one is big and one is small, we'll say it's a moon. Can a moon have oh. a moon? Can a moon have a moon? <gasps> that, is a, that is a very good question. And if you look in uh, orbital mechanics, there is no reason not to, but it's not going to be stable for a long time. So, so it's probably not going to be very long lived. But we do have we do have a triple systems, you know, in both main belt and in nearest population. They are rare. So you have a, you know, again, central object which is the largest, and then you have two moonlets orbiting it. And we've found so far four, only four in nearest population. So it's small. It's maybe one percent. As I said, those are all lower bounds because you know we can. Wait, wait, play. wait. You're describing double moons rather than a moon with a moon. Yes, correct. So okay. triple system. So we triple have systems. we have triple systems, but no, we have we have never found you know a um, you know that something that moon has a moon that would be very very. Well, maybe it's just a matter of definition because isn't Earth a moon of the sun? Oh it, is it is all relative. It is. And then Earth has a moon. Yes, so it's all relative. Yes, we correct. have a moon going so around. Everything's a moon. a moon. Everything's a moon. Thank you. Is it so? That. Is the definition of a moon just anything that orbits something else? Yeah, it's it, you, yeah. You're actually oh, we wow, would say natural satellite. We would say that Earth is a natural satellite of the Sun, and our Moon is natural satellite of Earth. So it's kind of you know. I think there were some efforts to tighten that definition. Marina, correct me if I'm wrong. If you so we Pluto has a moon, except the center of mass of Pluto and its moon is outside. Outside, correct? Right. So it's it's easier to think of Pluto as a double a double 
exoplanet, mm-hmm. a double a double dwarf planet. <laughs> yeah. You almost got me to say double planet there, but I'm not. Um, as a as a double dwarf. <laughs> I'm taking planet, notes that, and recording uh, <laughs> it to the island. <laughs> <laughs> then as a main planet and a moon going around it. Whereas for Earth, our center mass is within Earth's surface between the Earth moon. So we can think of we being a primary and then the moon going around us. So is there any talk about where the center of mass is and if that affects the definition? Well, in the case of asteroids, I'm telling you, so um, all of these binaries that I was, it's you're dealing with a really large primary. So okay. the center of mass is always, you know, inside, pretty much inside right. the primary. And I told you that we did find four equal mass binaries, but kind of we call them then equal mass binary, binary because they are there, you know, orbiting the common center of mass. Right, right. But they're rare. Those are very rare objects. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, cool. All right, Marsha, give me one. Well, slip one more in before the break. Okay, one more before the break. This is from Kevin Browning. He says, "Hi from White Deer, Texas. I just recently watched Deep Impact." And I was wondering if the idea of launching nuclear weapons to stop massive asteroids or comets is just Hollywood fantasy, or has it been something seriously discussed by scientists? Is it feasible, or is it something that is dated and no longer taken seriously? Wait, wait, first. Basically, is someone going to nuke Neil's asteroid if it starts (laughs) coming towards Earth? No one's going to nuke my asteroid. (laughs) No. Uh, So two quick things before before we go to break, because I think we'll have to answer that on the other side. Kudos to, what's his name again? Is it? This is Kevin Browning from White Deer, Texas. So kudos to Kevin for choosing the Deep Impact film to reference here and not Armageddon, where Bruce Willis saves the world. I did some analysis of Armageddon, and it violates more known laws of physics per minute than any other movie ever made in the history of the universe. (laughs) So, whereas Deep Impact actually had official advisors for it. So, kudos to him there. Now, you, you pronounced the word nuclear, nuclear. Is that what he wrote? I did? Wait. I I think that probably is just how I said it. Nuclear. Did he, what did he write? He, write, he, nu- write? he wrote nuclear. Uh, the reason why I ask is because George Bush, former governor nuclear. of Texas, pronounced nuclear. And I was, was he just an homage to his former governor? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was just checking. No, he didn't spell it nuclear. I just nuclear, said it like that because I'm from Oklahoma. So I thought oh, like that. So yeah. Got busted. <laughs> exactly. Busted. My accent gotcha. came out. Okay, we'll find out about Deep Impact Factor Fiction when we return. Seasons change. Why not your gaming tech? Upgrade now during the Alienware Summer Sale event and save on select next-gen Alienware PCs and more. Pair your impressive skills with our advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop, powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select gaming monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories when you shop online at alienware.com deals, you'll have access to leading edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Exceptional prices await you for a limited time only at alienware.com 
deals. That's alienware.com slash deals. Guess who's a Verizon Fios customer? Okay, it's me. You got me. That's right. And I love Verizon Fios because I love having a fiber optic connection come directly into my home. That's right. It doesn't stop at the street and then regular cable comes in. No, it comes directly into my home. And that gives me the best viewing experience that I could ever have. And now for a limited time, you can stream what you love for less with Verizon. Get one year of Peacock Premium for just $19.99. That's a savings of over 60%. Save on all your favorite shows and movies from Traders to Love Island to Trolls Band Together to Yellowstone. Start saving on the subscription you love at verizon.com slash plus play. Available through Verizon Plus Play. New Peacock subscriptions only. After one-year promotional period, subscription auto-renews at then-current annual price plus tax unless you cancel. $59.99 until July 17th, 2024. As of July 18th, 2024, the price will increase to $79.99. Additional terms apply. See verizon.com slash plus play for more details. Do you want to set up your child for success? Of course you do. Maybe you want to save money on private tutoring, or maybe it's just out of your budget altogether. Is this a big school year for your child? Like maybe they're starting kindergarten, middle school, or high school, or some other milestone. Maybe your family moved and they're starting at a new school. Is your child ahead? Not getting challenged enough in class? Well, we love that little smarty, but we want them to be engaged. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. There's one site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Kids can use it at home on the computer or on the go through the app on your phone or your tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything itself. And no more trying to figure out how to explain math equations or grammar rules yourself. IXL has built-in explanation videos. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And Star Talk Radio listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash Star Talk. Visit IXL.com slash Star Talk to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. We're back. Star Talk. Cosmic Queries. All about asteroids. Love it. I got Marsha Belsky here, my co-host. Marsha, what's your, what's your uh, social media footprint? Where can we find you? My social media, um, everything is my name at Marsha Belsky, M-A-R-C-I-A-B-E-L-S-K-Y, uh-huh. except for on Instagram, I am at Marsha Sky, um, because I've had that handle forever. Um, 
But yeah, find me there. I would love that. You know, like Neil said, I do musical comedy. Um, and I also recently wrote a short comedy play called Man and Woman. So I post all of that information. Oh, cool. On we there. can find you there. Okay. And you're from Oklahoma and say nuclear. Okay. I just want to. And I'm from Oklahoma and apparently say nuclear, <laughs> right. which I didn't even realize I said I'm it wrong. Just calling you out. out. <laughs> just calling you out. And Marina Borsovic from Jet Propulsion Labs. Do you, are you on social media? Actually, no. I am one of those, you know. Uh, okay, that means you're, you actually get work done during the day. Yes, yes. yes. I, I, I have email. I have email <laughs> and phone. And um, Soho. It's so healthy. I if I didn't phone. do comedy, I don't. I would like, like to think that I wouldn't be on social media because it. I can just feel it rotting my brain. Oh, okay, but, I know it's important. But also to follow me. People. No, no, but, yeah. but Jeff Propulsion Lab has an excellent public website for people I to know. visit. I know, yeah. I know. They have a great educational, yes, great educational site and a lot of, lot of good information. And is it jpl.nasa.gov? That is correct. Is that, you that got it. Correct. Okay. So a lot of good, a lot of good people making those websites. Excellent. So we left off by, uh, this, who's the guy again? We left off with Kevin from White Deer, Texas, Kevin Browning. I, I want to know. asked a question about nuclear. Nuclear. <laughs> nuclear. <laughs> So a couple of things. Let me let me tune that question for you, Marina. So other than deflection of an asteroid, which we know was tested with the DART mission, how realistic would nukes be burying them into, the, uh, well, in that case, they had, it was a comet that they dug into. And uh, can you comment, if you've seen the film, can you comment on other sort of accurate or badly inaccurate physics that was in it? Well, I did see, obviously, I did see Deep Impact and I did see Armageddon. I, it was a while back, so so I think I I, I forgot a lot of my complaints. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's, it's to maintain your sanity only, you know, yeah, over I all the years. Yeah, I only remember good stuff. Remember <laughs> yeah, good okay. Stuff. okay it's, so it's, 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 it's a mental health yeah, factor. So, there. So, yeah, so, yeah. You know, but to make a kind of long story short, um, I mean, yes, I mean, nuclear devices are a kind of last resort if something is really big and we don't have much time to react, but in reality, we would have probably decades to prepare and we would probably go with a kinetic impactor, you know, something that DART mission just demonstrated on, uh, on Didymos system. So kinetic impactor, it's moving so fast that the energy of the, uh, it's kinetic energy is sufficient to create the explosion that you're interested in. Yeah, so there are two things there. Um, you have to just push it. You don't want, um, there is a you know, difference between deflection and disruption. Deflection is you just want to push it. Disruption is if you hit it too hard and it goes in pieces. And then you have much bigger mess because all of those pieces are heading your way. Big mess. So big mess. it's a big mess. So if you decide to go with that kind of you know, disruption, then you better give enough energy that all of them you know, clear Earth. So right, that is that right. would, that you would probably have to do with the multiple uh, kinetic impactors. That is, or that we is need a Death easy. Star. A Death Star could totally. Oh yeah, if only Death one or the other. That would yeah. be. That, oh well, you know, there is just a, obliterate it. It would uh, Death Stars yeah. obliterate planets. That's what they do. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, is. Yeah, uh, yeah. Wait, but that's comforting. You said that likely if there was any like major event that was going to disrupt Earth with the technology we have now, we'd have decades to. Prepare. Yeah, as I said, the first, the first and foremost, you have to find them. You know, you you have to find them before they find us. That is kind of this cliche, <laughs> oh, that we've been yeah. Pressure, yeah. You know, that, that we've been okay. we've been repeating, but it's so true. 
Um, and that's why we you have, find the sleeping bear before the yeah. the, the bear finds you sleeping. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, no pressure. We have these, you know, NASA is funding uh, a lot of these optical telescopes that are on every clear night going and looking up these after these uh, after near Earth asteroids that can potentially endanger Earth. And um, you know. Okay, but there's something you implied, but I want to sort of tease out here, and it's that, uh, Marsha, I think Marina said that if we find one, we'll have perhaps 10 years because any the good thing is that anything big enough to render us extinct is easier to find right right so that makes well sense. okay here's yeah. the good news here's the good news um we are really concerned with things that are larger than 1 kilometer because those are the ones that really have global consequences impact of that and we have found more than 90% of those objects so we think there may be maybe several dozens that we still have to find. But there, you know, some of them are not easy because they could have exotic orbits, like they can be very inclined and, you know, and there can be kind of, you know, a lot of times in the bad geometry so the Earth is on one side and they're behind the sun and you just kind of mm. play this hide and seek for a long time. So, so you know, that's... So, Marsha, those, those asteroids are sentient, so they know to hide in the glare of the sun. Yeah, they're hiding like the ones from <laughs> Jupiter, and we're like, get out of there. Yeah. We want to see you. What? So, what would be, like, worst-case scenario, like, shortest amount of time we would have to, like, prepare? But, okay. If something huge was hurtling at It's us. called kiss your ass goodbye. That's, that's the solution <laughs> there, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, as I said, I, it's, it's, it's extremely unlikely that that would happen because, as I said, we found more than 90% of that uh, population we are very uh, concerned about, so global consequences. But we still, still have a lot of work between this smaller population. So we think anything, you know, between 140 meters to one kilometer, uh, that, is, that is pretty serious as well. Uh, we found about 50% of that population. Um, so we still have a way to go. So as the size gets smaller, we wow. have less and less of the total known in our catalogs. Very, because they're harder very, to track. Very, very much yeah, so. Okay. And, and, right, and right. we are, you know, we are also very concerned with this population that is between, say, 50 meters and 140 meters. It doesn't look much, but, you know, that is at the level uh, of a city extremely dangerous. And, and uh, we right. really know very small uh, uh, population there. So the um, kilometer-sized asteroids are enough to disrupt civilization in some fundamental way. Yeah. Right? Correct. Supply mm -hmm. chains, transportation. Yeah, they basically, uh, they would kick so much, so much dust. They would kick so much dust up in the atmosphere that, you mm -hmm. know, you would end up mm -hmm. that plants would start having problems with photosynthesis and then the whole chain reaction with, the, you know, with the food, uh, with food chains would collapse. Yeah. But, Marcia, you know who would really have the problem? Anyone was no. where it was where it hit. <laughs> that's who, I mean, that's exactly. what I'm thinking too. I'm like, and if it hit Manhattan, but that's where the real like, problem is. That, that's that, um, actually we have enough telescopes pointed here. Yeah, going back to Neil's asteroid that was discovered in 1994. You know what else happened in 1994? And really, oh yeah, oh my gosh. Right? Oh, wait, wait. Tell us that what. That what wasn't happened? the Shoemaker leaving nine, Shoemaker nine uh, slamming. So this was the first time we ever witnessed a major comet slamming into another object in the solar system, and it was a comet that broke apart from gravity. Okay, yes. and it was slammed into Jupiter, and one piece after another hit. 
Uh, it was and the Hubble telescope was just freshened uh, a couple of years earlier, and we turned every ground-based telescope to it. In fact, I was at an observatory in Chile, oh, and wow. I took time out of my observing plan to get data on that comet. And you know what was cool? And see, I'm getting all excited. Thanks, Marsha <laughs> Marina, for sending me <laughs> on to this. So, uh, so because it was a comet that broke apart, each piece became its own comet. So each piece had its own tail. It was the coolest thing. And yeah, it slammed into Jupiter, killing all the dinosaurs on Jupiter. I was like, poor Jupiter. <laughs> it doesn't deserve that. Yeah, Jupiter's discovered. It was discovered by the same people that discovered your asteroid. They are yeah, like that. There it is. There you, it is. Well, you were yeah. missing. You, Carolyn, uh, Carolyn Shoemaker, and David Levy also discovered your asteroid, and then there was also Gene Shoemaker. Gene Shoemaker. Uh, that right. he was the third. They discovered it from Palomark here, um, just in the neighborhood. It was like forty centimeter telescope, um, and uh, they discovered it in ninety three, and then in ninety four it slammed them to Jupiter. It was it was incredible. I mean, right, right, right. Gosh. Yeah, one of the one of the wow. great moments in, and so what I wonder is who was looking at our planet when that same size asteroid hit Earth and took out the dinosaurs? Were they, was someone else getting exactly. excited when they saw that? See, that's what I'm wondering. There was some alien civilizations <laughs> like poor. Well, they did not have they, you know dinosaurs did not have space program, but we do. Yeah, you know, if they had a space program, yeah. they'd still be here because they would have yeah. totally deflected that asteroid. I mean, this sounds like an amazing Pixar movie. Like, should we pitch ah, this? The dinosaurs do this? with <laughs> dinosaurs with NASA, right? That's what that is. Yeah, and they prevent their own. Well, they said sort of been done. It's sort of been done. Now, this is this is that. down the rabbit hole here, but <laughs> Ice Age Five, the animated series. Um, I actually have a cameo in that. Because, I was going to say, like, how I, 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 I otherwise five. would not know, and I wouldn't even know it had five, <laughs> five, five installations. <laughs> so apparently, they discover these are like ice age mammals. They discover that there's an asteroid headed their way, and they want to deflect it. And so I show up inside one of the creatures' heads. Uh, a buck weasel, and I'm Neil de Buck Weasel, and I'm just in his head, oh my I'm in God. his head, get, telling him what to think about. And so they, they, so they deflect the asteroid. So oh, yeah, so the them. animals have de deflected the asteroid. Sentient, um, conversational, smart mammals, other than humans, have done this in the past, as, as evidenced by this documentary, Ice Age Five. Yeah, yeah, by Ice Age Five, <laughs> the well-known documentary. Yeah. <laughs> Let's keep going. See if we can get a couple more in here. Absolutely. Okay. So this is from Dylan. I feel like this kind of leads from what we were just talking about. Um, it's about a different movie. It says, greetings, everyone. Um, I was wondering how you guys felt about the movie Don't Look Up. Is that really how would we would react? And what could you slash we do to have a better outcome? I feel like you were kind of getting into this that the myth of that movie is how fast it would happen, maybe. Yeah. Um, and well, a quick earlier point to Marina's notion that we might have ten years in in Armageddon. It was a Texas-sized oh, asteroid. Please. I know. I know. That was within months me. of that was within months of hitting Earth, and a Texas-sized asteroid would have been discovered two hundred years ago. So. And, oh, and, really? and wow. the government could not keep, there's no way the government can keep it a secret. It's, it's in the freaking sky. See, you got me started on Armageddon. <laughs> I told you it violated more laws of physics per minute than any other. Let's leave that. Yeah, leave. there are a lot of space conspiracies, and I think they are hinged upon the idea that somehow these things could be it's kept. A secret. The government secret. prevents the whole world from knowing what's in the sky. So, so 
um, uh, I, I assume you saw it. Uh, don't look up. Uh, I did not. I did not. But I, I, I do. I do roughly know. I do roughly know the premise. So, um, yeah. But uh, uh, going back to what Marsha already started saying, you know, it's it's uh, everybody thinks that there is this one telescope on Earth that can observe asteroids, and there is one person <laughs> that knows how to do asteroid orbit. All that is, you know, public information. Right. And actually, right. we have this kind of clearing. Uh, uh, you know, clearinghouse for 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 data where everybody in this world that observes asteroids sends in their measurements. It's immediately, immediately. So um, by the way, just just so it's not some guy in a cave that has to call. Information is public. Everybody has access to this data. It's it's and we as a scientist we love to talk. So we it's impossible that we would <laughs> keep anything to secret. Plus, the government is not competent enough to accomplish any such yeah. cover-ups that are displayed in the movies. There's no yeah, way. Exactly. But so one of my most retweeted tweets in the past two years was when I said, uh, I watched the uh, Don't Look Up, this fictional tale of an asteroid where scientists warn and people reject the warnings and social media take, takes it lightly. And, and then I said, by the time the movie was done, I'm certain it was not fiction. It was a documentary, indeed. That that was how <laughs> I thought about it. So yeah, I'm, it scares yeah. the hell out of me. Even though it was a little bit comical, Marina, it was. I've, I've been enough in social media and interacting with the press and with people that so much of what I've seen and felt was pumped up and exaggerated for the movie. But it's all there. Mm -hmm. They didn't pull that out of nowhere. There was a mm -hmm. plausibility to it that 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 left me a little scared. In terms of how we would react to yeah. any sort of global catastrophic Marsha, event, I yeah. don't want to be the laughing stock of the galaxy by being the only species with enough intellect to have a space program, but with enough stupidity to not know what to do with it. Oh, you know we're already there. You know <laughs> that if they've that. been watching Stop. us with their telescopes, they're like, these Stop. idiots. Stop. Don't say that. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> well, you know, we have, uh, every two years, we have this planetary defense conference uh, where oh, actually cool. um, you have experts from, you know, from, from, from scientists to engineers to you know space mission planners to to even kind of politicians, government officials, uh, even United Nations, everybody gathers in one spot, and then we have this: What do you do? You know, there are people that are negotiating. You know, there are politicians that are going like, okay, who is sending what? Uh, you know, who is sending reconnaissance mission? Uh, every spacefaring nation will contribute this. And so there, you have... You, you, right, you, if an you, asteroid is headed for the yeah. Indian Ocean yeah. and we have technology that could help it, who pays for that mission? Right. Uh, right. Be a better one. If you want to deflect it, then say it is going to impact country A. But if you want to deflect mm. and save everybody, it is going to... The corridor, impact corridor, will have to pass over country C, D, and E. In order and, and, to and, and if off you, the Earth. And if you don't fully execute that... And that's what they'd really do. you have other targets. Yeah, the asteroid has new targets. That's probably what would end up happening. They'd be like, oh, let's just send it to this country. Like, mm. So yeah. those are interesting well, questions. I think, yeah. Those are interesting questions, but that's, I mean, that's why... Geopolitical that's questions. Many people, that's many people are working on this because, you know, we, we, we need to have, we need to have protocols in place and... and um, well, and I'm so delighted that you're on the front lines there, Marina. Yeah, this is... But, this is yeah. We got good people doing good stuff, trying to save save. I don't species. get as worried. Yeah. Well, I feel like the difference between that and the global warming, though, is like there's no financial incentives for companies to allow an asteroid <laughs> to hit us. You know what I mean? I feel like we'd get our 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 
butts that is together. So like. encouraging to hear that. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know myself, but think of all the things we do do that reduce our life expectancy every day. I know every day. But so, if I if I if I may add, I think that in recent polls, actually, I think that public is very much aware of um, you know the the um, the need for for us to uh, find all the potentially hazardous asteroids. So so I think I think that the public is that we have kind of public in our corner with respect to this. Yeah, go, go look at issue. Go look at the movie. Don't look up, and you. Will. I will. Reverse that comment. <laughs> it is too believable is too the way believable. that the public reacts in that movie. Yeah, guys, we got to we got to land this ship. Uh, so anyhow, uh, this has been great, informative, and thank you, Marcia, for sharing your your joy and uh, comedic outlooks with us. And Marina, it was a delight to have you on our Rolodex. My pleasure. Thank you for being on Star Talk. Uh, this has been a Star Talk Cosmic Queries edition. Asteroids. Neil deGrasse Tyson here, as always, bidding you to keep looking up. Treat Dad to the good stuff at Nordstrom Rack and save big. Father's Day is Sunday, June 16th, and Nordstrom Rack's got gifts Dad will love, up to 60% off. Shirts, activewear, watches, cologne, denim, and more. Find amazing deals on Tommy Bahama, Cole Haan, Original Penguin, and Vince. Great brands, great prices. So get to your Nordstrom Rack store now and make Dad's day with gifts up to 60% off. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals, to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.